Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Nomi Podcast, the space where curious minds meet self-discovery. I'm your host and coach, Madeline. And I'm Cynthia, a licensed mental health counselor. Each episode offers a new lens through which to view ourselves and our place in the world. Today, we are delving deep into a topic that is at the core of self-discovery, identifying and articulating our boundaries and needs. This topic is both universal and deeply personal. It's about understanding the lines we draw the spaces we create for ourselves, and the needs that drive us. We'll be sharing some tools and strategies to help you navigate this complex landscape with awareness. Part of that journey involves cultivating emotional awareness to recognize what we truly need. You might be surprised at the unmet needs that are lingering just beneath the surface, waiting to be acknowledged and addressed. Whether you're someone who is just beginning to explore the topic of boundaries and needs, or you've been on this path of self-discovery for a while, there is always more to learn and more to uncover. So dear listeners, get cozy and join us as we unravel the intricacies of boundaries and needs and help you pave the path to a world that resonates with your true self. We are so thrilled to have you here with us on this journey. Welcome to the Nomi Podcast. A topic that has been coming up a lot in conversations recently has been the difference between boundaries and needs. I think that is an ongoing thing in this journey of life. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, it's quite difficult sometimes to discern between them, especially with how we don't honestly talk about our needs enough, never mind the difference between a need and a boundary. So I'm thinking we can spend some time first talking about what is actually a need and what is actually a boundary by definition so we can understand what we're looking at in the first place. I think that's really important for us to understand because, of course, understanding leads to knowledge, which leads to healthy boundaries and healthy expectations of ourselves and others. How would you define needs? Good question. Throwing it right back on me. A need is something that is kind of a fundamental part of human existence. It's different for each person. So what I need to thrive is going to be different from what you need to thrive. I find that needs exist on a continuum, so a bit of a scale from survival to thriving. So there are some basic things that I need. These tend to be the things that look the same as others that are in survival area just to feel like I'm okay and secure and going to make it. And then where it starts to look different from other people is the closer I get to the full thriving scale because those are really unique to me. They speak more to whether or not I'm in alignment with my values. And because my values can be different from other people, while there may be some overlap, especially with the humans I choose to keep in my closest circles, on the whole, it could look really different. So, for example, my thriving needs look super different from my husband even though the mid-range between and the survival needs look really similar. You were talking a little bit about tangible and intangible. A A lot of us just focus on the tangible needs. I bumped into years ago this sort of wheel of needs, and I really loved how it broke it into four categories. Physical needs, which you were just talking about. Individual needs. This is where our values come in or what makes us feel like our needs are being met, right? Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's integrity. Maybe it's autonomy. Then there's social needs because we are social creatures. So we Mm -hmm. sometimes forget about this, especially when we're talking about 
relationships. And that's where I have uh, the most conversations with people is around relationships. And then the final thing is higher needs, fulfillment and purpose and meaning and, and things like that. So I think that there's so much complexity, isn't there, to needs. One of the things that's important when we think about our needs is understanding that some of them are going to almost block our ability to focus on the others. It doesn't mean that we never have potential for higher needs, but if we're focused on physical needs because we're not getting enough nourishment, for example, mm -hmm. we don't have enough energy, then of course our minds are not going to be able to stretch all the way toward a higher need of purpose and meaning in life. These things often exist in wheels, but we forget sometimes that when we're caught up in the survival end of the continuum, it doesn't mean thriving doesn't exist. It's just so hard to pull our focus out of survival if we feel we're not going to make it through our days. At the end of the day, our brains are oriented around focusing us on what's going to make sure we don't die. Oh, yeah. And that is a great thing because sometimes we can make really silly choices, can't we? At least for me, it's really good that my brain jumps in and goes, oh, yeah, no, that's going to be really dangerous if you stand in the middle of the superhighway for an extended period of time. You don't try to get across the road in a very safe and quick manner. It's not telling me I shouldn't cross the road, but it's just let's not linger right here in the middle of the road. And I love this metaphor as well because this concept of safety and checking for okayness is where boundaries come in. In many mm -hmm. ways, a boundary is under the umbrella of needs. We all have a need for safety and security and boundary, while I wouldn't necessarily say it's a need, so I, I, maybe I disagree a little bit, I would mm -hmm. say it's more a tool. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the need is security and safety and connection and love and all of these things and a term that makes us feel safe. I would say the ultimate mm -hmm. need is safety and autonomy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are a tool that we can use to ensure that either our capacity to fill, fulfill our own needs are protected or things that we have <laughs> at our disposal mm -hmm. is protected. So if I have X amount of energy, I might put a boundary in place to make sure that energy doesn't get dangerously low. And if I know that in order to help myself access a physical need, I might need to put a boundary around my ability to access that. So if I have someone commenting on my body all the time, for example, I might not be able to access the nourishment that I need in order to protect my body. And so I'm going to use mm -hmm. a boundary to try and help myself disengage from the unproductive comments of other people to protect mm -hmm. my capacity to fulfill my need for nourishment and well-being. So boundaries are this really powerful tool that can help us to get our needs fulfilled from ourselves, uh, to employ help sometimes from others, and they help to keep us in a sense of security and safety, no matter what that means for us. Mm -hmm. So healthy boundaries act as a navigational system, and those are a tool in your car, helping us navigate intersections that come up in our lanes and guiding us to make these conscious choices, which we like to talk about before saying yes to opportunities that align with our values and our goals and that inner knowing piece and saying no to things that might not align with what we have deemed as our physical need or our emotional need or our social need. You get to make conscious choices of what your car or your needs are going to be. Boundaries are formed often 
from our life experiences. That's what makes our boundaries unique. Your boundaries might look different from mine if you've had different life experiences than I do. And that's okay. And so Mm -hmm. a big part of the process and not only understanding the difference between these two things is also understanding how to clarify them. So one of the major misunderstandings, I think, with boundaries are that they have anything to do with another person, meaning that they're more demands, right, than they are actual boundaries. And one of the things that I cannot underscore enough about a boundary is it starts and stops with yourself. Boundaries are these protective circles, spaces, navigation Mm -hmm. systems, directional things Mm -hmm. that we put around ourselves to keep ourselves on track and also to protect ourselves a little bit from our external world. We can't control our external world, but we can understand when something is encroaching enough that it might require our attention. Uh, An example I like to give of a boundary not being a demand is I might have a boundary that I won't be sworn at. I don't want to deal with swears, right? So careful Mm -hmm. with the language there because Mm -hmm. I can control whether or not someone swears at me, but I can control my response. So if Mm -hmm. my boundary is that I'm not responsible for someone else's anger and Mm -hmm. swearing is a clear indication that someone's taking their anger out on me, like really Mm -hmm. yelling at me swearing. Mm-hmm. So I can't control whether or not someone walks in the room right now and starts cussing me out, but I mm-hmm. can control how I respond to that barrier, right? So someone starts swearing at me and essentially the signal goes up that says, we knew someone stepping on close to a barrier here, right? That mm-hmm. you've put as a safety thing because I know myself. Mm-hmm. I know how I'm going to respond if that person gets mm-hmm. any closer to my right. security and sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And so I've got options. My options are to walk away. That's probably Mm -hmm. the number one thing I can do is physically remove myself from the situation. Mm -hmm. Another option would be to, I don't know, plug my ears. But uh, most of the options that are available to me immediately are to do with me. I can employ the other person to understand my boundary, right? So I can understand the need that is being encroached upon underneath that boundary and try and communicate that need. So If I'm feeling unsafe, I can try and help the other person understand how and why I'm feeling unsafe. Mm -hmm. But a a boundary is not turning around and saying, I have a boundary that I don't want to be sworn at and your anger is not Mm -hmm. my problem. So Mm -hmm. you have to stop being angry and you have to stop swearing at me. But I see people conflating these things a lot where they're like, I set the boundary and then they did it anyways. And I'm like, okay, Mm. that's it. They're different well, things. You're not, the key there, Madeline, is, and, th- and I see this time and time again, even with myself, is that going back to what you originally said is all boundaries begin and end with you. Yeah. They don't incorporate someone else, even in really close relationships. They are all about you deciding what is going to be needed to keep you in your car, in your lane of life, and you're on your super highway in the best way. But what we try to do is create the other person's boundary. We're like, oh, it would be really helpful is if you had the same boundary as me. So why don't you just agree not to be angry or not to ever swear? And this is where the word expectations comes mm. in a little bit. And the way I'm defining expectations is expectations are our beliefs about how a situation should unfold. And when we're not 
conscious of those, if they're hanging in the background, sometimes we mistake them for other people not meeting our needs or not understanding our needs or whatever. Say we're a customer service rep and we're answering calls and we say, hello, Cynthia Garrett Counseling, and the person starts screaming and swearing. So my expectation and my belief was that when I said hello in my very friendly voice, that no one was going to be yelling at the other end and swearing, mm. right? And so I might immediately say, you need to stop yelling at me. There I am telling another person what their needs are, even by my language. But of course, I don't hear that. And I'm like, excuse me, I have a boundary that I don't let people swear at me. And once again, they keep going. Right. And I, and then now I'm mad. So we really do need to understand what our needs are and why. And like you said, what experiences have I come across that don't allow me, first of all, to meet my own needs? And something that's really interesting that you said on the phone call was mm -hmm. you say, hi, I have a boundary that I won't be sworn at or yelled at there's a piece of it missing. We start to get into the conversation of how to communicate these things, right? So let's switch the example here. Mm -hmm. Let's say that one of the boundaries that you have is you're not going to check your work emails or do work outside of work hours. So a boundary literally is a time boundary around mm -hmm. work. When you communicate this boundary, what's often important for other people is helping them understand what to expect. So this is mm -hmm. where expectations come in again, right? Mm -hmm. If my boundary is that I'm not going to do work outside of work hours, I might say I have a boundary that work ends at five o'clock when work mm -hmm. ends. So this is what to expect from me. If you send me an email after five o'clock, you're more than welcome to just know that I won't respond. So I control my notifications. So please feel free to send me emails or invite things on my calendar. That's great. But mm -hmm. I'm just not going to respond to you and I'm not going to mm -hmm. check it after five o'clock until I log back on the next morning at nine or eight o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to answer things on my personal phone. So mm -hmm. if you call me on my personal phone, I, I won't pick up and then I'll address it with you. I'll remind you mm -hmm. of that boundary, right? Mm -hmm. What often happens with this boundary is that other people break it and then we pick up the phone, right? Or uh, someone sends us an email and then we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe someone sent me an email. And so then we go and angrily respond to the email at 530. I can't believe you're sending just a reminder. Yeah. Please don't send me the email. And it's don't check your email. If you're right, communicating you just busted through your boundary. Exactly. And this is often what happens is we push through our own boundaries to right. remind people of our boundaries instead right. of just respecting our boundary from our end. Yeah. And oftentimes we, we're so focused on controlling the other person's behavior that we don't remember that if you don't pick up the phone and you don't mm -hmm. answer the email, mm -hmm. then the expectation from the other side is going to adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're always picking up the phone and you're always answering the email past five, Mm -hmm. You're reinforcing the infringement of your boundary by being the first person to do it. Not only have I heard that, but I've lived it myself. And really what I what dawned on me several years later was that it really wasn't about me setting boundaries for myself. What it was me actually setting boundaries to modify someone else's behavior that mm -hmm. I didn't that I didn't think was appropriate. Yeah. And so right there there's where we fall down is the minute that I'm trying to manipulate, whether it's by words or someone else to do or not do something or be or not be something, 
I'm dead in the water. I'm not really setting a boundary, right? And so what really empowered me with this whole boundary work was really doing the work needed to ascertain, and I'll use your work-life, healthy work-life balance, right, as an example. I would say that the values that I was focusing on when I set that boundary was that I value my personal time. And I bet, and I value the relationships in my personal life and that I just know that I'm a full throttle on person in whatever I'm doing, I'm all in. And if I'm doing it for too long of an extended amount of time, like Mm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, then that is going to potentially lead to burnout. It's going to limit my productivity during the work hours, and it's probably going to have an adverse effect on all of those other aspects of my wheel of life that I've deemed important. Language is really important here, and this is Mm -hmm. where I'm going to push back a little bit, which is you said a value was personal time. To me, that's not a value. That's an unmet need. And this is sometimes I think what we conflate Mm. because underneath the personal time is your capacity to have connection and rich experiences with Mm -hmm. your family members, Mm there is a value. So the unmet need being unmet cuts you off from the things that are important to you, which is what makes that so painful. And so that's where I would say language really matters because this Mm -hmm. is how how it can be significant to Mm -hmm. form these boundaries is starting by identifying the unmet needs. And Mm -hmm. this is the other thing is oftentimes because we think in extremes, we think once we put a boundary up, it's there forever. Like Mm -hmm. we've built the boundary. It's there for 100% of the time. We never get to change it. And that's not true. So if we think of boundaries as a tool, as a flexible tool even, then we can start by saying even just for this week, what are my most unmet needs? If I look at this needs wheel, what is it that's most important for me to access? So I'm looking at a needs wheel right now, and it might be for me that I really need some peace. I really need some good nutrition. I really need friendship. And I really need a little bit of clarity. So those are some, I just picked something from each of these sections of the wheel from individual Mm -hmm. needs, higher needs, social needs, and physical needs. And so there's plenty more going on, plenty of things I need, but those might be some of my most important needs. And so then I might ask myself, are there any boundaries that I need to put into place in order to protect my ability to get those for myself or to protect what I already have? For example, with clarity, it might be, let's talk about Nomi. We're always talking about what's next. We just had a cohort of fundamentals pass through and there's so much work to do to figure out how we can make it even more exciting for the next group of people. And so Mm -hmm. I might say, hey, mom, for this week, I want to set a little boundary around new ideas. So for me, my boundary is I am not in a place I can receive new ideas right now, Mm -hmm. which means that if you come in a meeting and you're like, here's 100 ideas that I have for you, which I do, (laughs) then I'm going to say, hey, I think we're in dangerous territory for me here because I'm finding it really hard to have clarity around what I need to have clarity on when all of this gets thrown and mucked about. So I can't be the receiver of these ideas for you. Here's some suggestions. Again, looking back to that page that I communicated might be a good place for you to dump because I really care about your ideas, mom. So I really want to hear them. I just can't do it right now. And so that I think becomes a really important structure when we think of our weeks to first start with the unmet needs 
then think about any boundaries that are going to help us communicate those needs so that other people understand where we're coming from proactively. Mm. And then trying to create the win-win in the end anyways. Like it's not mm. that I don't want to hear my mom's ideas. They're amazing. They're brilliant. They're what the backbone of know me. It's just that right now I know what I can handle in order to protect my energy and my sense of security mm. and safety. Because if mm. I'm on empty, if mm. I'm really struggling, then the conversations aren't that pleasant. It's not, oh, mom, I want to hear your ideas. It's we can't do this and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I'm wildly open to fear taking over and anxiety mm. taking over and anger even taking over. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. a big part of how we can identify those unmet needs is to look toward those emotions and say, ooh, why is resentment here? What's right, going right. on? Absolutely. And actually, and it's so funny because this is so real life, is, and I so appreciate it because the other trap we fall into is that we anticipate or we expect, expectations again, that the other person is going to know our uncommunicated needs. I'm so thankful because I'm like, you just saved me a lot of hard work of guessing because I don't like falling into that trap. I would rather have it clearly communicated to me, even if it's over and over again, that I have this need. I'm still in this space where I'm feeling that I can't absorb. I'm like a full sponge, so I can't absorb any more new ideas. And of course, I want to take care of you. I care about you. And you just gave me a roadmap on how to do that. And you gave me an alternative of what I could do instead. Now, I might not find that the list that you told me to put my ideas on is satisfactory because maybe part of the reason I get all excited about my new ideas is sharing them with somebody immediately. So I'm going to put my idea for you on a list and then I'm going to go tell my husband about my great ideas. So I go to my husband and I share this idea and he immediately goes into problem solving execution mode. And now I'm mad at him because I haven't clearly communicated why I'm telling him and what my need is. I needed him to be a cheerleader for me. And so he's giving me something I don't need. But how the heck was he going to know? Right. So mm -hmm. a lot of times I have to pay it forward like you did and say, hey, Patrick, I'm going to tell you this great idea and I want you to do your little yay, yay, yay dance. I love, love, love this example because I can really relate to it. And this is where emotional awareness becomes so important. Anger usually tells us something that's important is being stepped on. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's a value. So it's a more intangible thing like our, our sense of justice or our need for kindness or something like this. And sometimes it's just like very literal, right? Mm -hmm. I needed appreciation and you're not giving me appreciation. And so I'm going to be mm -hmm. angry about it. Mm -hmm. And anger feels powerful, which is why we reach toward it. And why emotional awareness is really important is because not everybody goes into conversations knowing what they need. You and mm -hmm. I do this stuff for a living. And I would still say about eight times out of 10, I end up in the middle of the conversation feeling frustrated and being like, oh, I didn't realize that actually what I wanted from this conversation or what I needed from this mm -hmm. conversation was cheerleading or praise or appreciation. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. it, we, I usually come to the table with my husband with problems to solve. And mm -hmm. so it's completely normal that he's going to go down the usual route. 
but I didn't realize till I was in the middle. And sometimes what happens when we have an unmet need and anger starts to rise up is we start to blame the other person as though they're purposefully trying to hurt us because anger mm -hmm. is not the most like logical or rational emotion. It's visceral. And mm -hmm. because its priority is to get us back to equilibrium as quickly as possible. And that's why it gives all, us all of its power. And so in that moment of emotional awareness of knowing that this frustration is rising up in me, instead of going, oh, he's trying to piss me off by problem solving, saying, mm -hmm. OK, here's my curiosity. I'm going to realize and, and ask myself, what is it that I need? And I can even say in the middle of the conversation, halt, <laughs> I'm feeling really frustrated. I know in my rational mind that it's not at you, but mm -hmm. there is something here. There's an unmet need here. And before we go forward, I need to figure out what that is. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit here stewing in my frustration and mm -hmm. I won't even be able to hear you anyways. Mm -hmm. And so we mm -hmm. need to embrace our emotional awareness and build that muscle in ourselves to identify these things so that when it rises up, we can give ourselves a beat to figure out what's going on. And then communicate that to the other person. Mm -hmm. Where the power comes in or the empowerment comes in is to realize that emotions are informational, not directional. And I'm going to say that again. They're informational, like tap. The reason you're feeling awe and wonder in this moment is because you're seeing this hummingbird um, flapping its wings so delicately at the feeder, right? Or on that flower or whatever. And you're just in awe of this nature in that moment. If anyone's seen a hummingbird, they don't linger very long. They really just are flitters, right? So I'm, I went from awe and wonder to maybe a little excitement because I'm going to record the podcast to maybe a little like nervousness because I'm going to record the podcast <laughs> to maybe uh, all this kind of stuff. And so the empowerment of the pause of just like you said, being aware and synthesizing these great bits of information into the equation. Yes. And one of the things that came up when you were talking about identifying these emotions throughout the day are these mood tracking apps and mood mm. tracking journals. And so one big step is it, the heavier lift might be identifying the unmet needs. For some people, it might be like point blank. I know exactly what I need. This is really mm -hmm. common. It's something I really know about myself. For others, we need some leading indicators first. So we need mm -hmm. a little bit more data to help us understand where to pay more attention. Starting with emotions, even though it sounds like a whole other subject to tack on to the end of this podcast, but starting right. with emotions can be a really great way of understanding where to divert your attention. So collecting this data first without really needing to put meaning behind it. This is something mm -hmm. I always say to my clients. I'm like, just collect data. Just literally mm -hmm. observe. Why am I doing this? What is mm -hmm. this? What is that? Just collect data and then put it to the side for evaluation later. It's so hard, like easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But step one with emotions is just to collect data on where mm -hmm. you're landing throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And you might even find that there's seasons to these unmet needs. Mm -hmm. Actually, you probably will find there are seasons to your mm -hmm. unmet needs. One of the things that I think is really helpful piggybacking on your gathering data is sometimes we gather the data, but then what the heck do we do with that data so that it's yeah. meaningful to us, right? I like to call it synthesizing my data. So it's taking the data from all of these moods, attaching them to what kind of behaviors was I doing? What kind of actions was I doing during that mm -hmm. time? 
or maybe some thoughts, maybe there's some expectations or beliefs that are percolating and maybe even throwing in to synthesize it sort of a value and, and connecting some dots with the data. So that's the next step with no judgment, with just curiosity, like putting a puzzle together and saying, does that this piece really fit here or would it be better over here? And I would also say, so we talked about a tool earlier in the podcast, which were the needs wheels. So find one that resonates for you. There's tons of them out there. And then a framework that I would use from those wheels, because again, how do you use it? They're just a list of a whole bunch of words. So what do we do with that? So earlier I spoke about how in, in my world, needs can go from survival to thriving and it's different for each person. So what you might want to do is look at the needs that are listed on these needs wheels and then put ones that are like, if I don't get these things, I don't survive. I don't feel like I'm even surviving, never mind thriving. And then put things in the middle, which is this would be a pretty good day if I also got these things. They're a pretty good chunk of my life. I need these. And then go Mm -hmm. all the way up to thriving and, and list some needs there. And these things can move. This can just be a checkpoint for where we are now and actually The more frequently we do these types of exercises, the better because you give yourself a baseline and you can be curious about how things change over time. But what's wonderful about identifying these things is then when we're feeling experiences of low mood or we're synthesizing that data as you were talking about, mom, you can say, okay, what's not being met here? If I already know this stuff about myself that these needs are thriving and these needs are surviving. And I know that every single Tuesday I'm feeling (laughs) really low. It might be that the project I'm working on that day or the company on Monday that I have to go back to or whatever it is, is really stepping on these unmet needs, is really shifting me toward my survival mindset because my basics aren't being met. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's important to remember with this survival to thrive scale is As we learn more about ourselves and as we get better and better at fulfilling our own needs, typically the stuff that's in thriving starts to shift to survival because we have higher standards for our quality of life. So it Mm -hmm. is exciting to redefine these things, to be curious, to continue to go back to them and really shape how we want our lives to be and dare to have these needs in the first place. And then just to add sort of the cherry on top, which is this reminder to start internal first. We spend a lot of time going external and leaving the internal last or not at all. We have most of the wisdom, most of the answers, most of the empowerment. If we go in, if we really fine tune and gather data on what we need and how we can meet those needs first. And I love that we've landed there because if you want to identify more of this stuff and go even deeper, what's really exciting is we actually do an entire deep dive session on setting boundaries and all of this juicy stuff as part of one of the follow-up sessions in in Nomi Fundamentals. So Nomi Fundamentals is our self-discovery. I don't know if I'd call it a course, but It's four sessions with Cynthia and myself. So you have a therapist and a coach in the room from both perspectives. We go through some of the most basic, wonderful, juicy things of self-awareness and inner knowing as a group. And then beyond that, you get to pick and mix or mix and match what workshops you want to do. And one of the mix and match workshops that you can choose from is one exclusively on boundaries. So if you want to access that or just also access more of this inner knowing, we invite you to join us for Nomi Fundamentals. 
You can find everything at nomi.coach forward slash fundamentals. And we'd absolutely love to have you there. Our cohorts so far have been so wonderful and the reviews are incredible to get back. So we're really grateful to have had this opportunity to be a part of all of your journeys and we hope to meet more of you along the way. So before we sign off, we have to do the most important part, which of course is the quote of the episode. Take us away, mom. So this one I created on my own. Your journey is uniquely yours. Let your needs be the compass, your expectations the milestone, and your boundaries the guardrails that lead you to a life well lived. I love that one. We always love a Cynthia original. I know. So do I. She's a writer. We really appreciate your sticking with us. I will say that one of my met needs is always after this podcast, I just feel the warm and fuzzies of connection and solid conversation. So I'm grateful that you all participate in that. Grateful, of course, to you, Mom, for the rich conversation. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.